Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horo, and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Hello there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I'm really excited to talk about an important conversation that I see in my practice with my clients over and over, and that topic is people-pleasing. And I'm so grateful to have my friend and colleague, Dr. Michaela Warner, who is a naturopathic doctor, and we are fortunate enough to have her here as part of our team with Infinite Healing and Wellness. And so today, we're going to talk about that topic and how it affects our health and overall wellness, relationships, and a whole lot more. So thank you for tuning in. Michaela, tell us a little bit about yourself and why this topic is so near and dear to your heart. Yeah. So I'm Dr. Michaela Werner. I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor here in Arizona. Um, my focus and passion has always been in the realm of mental health and especially in regards to um, utilizing homeopathic medicine. And it is so passionate for me based on my own healing journey. So earlier in life, due to a series of traumatic events, I um, ended up struggling with severe chronic anxiety, daily panic attacks, depression, suicidality, the whole shebang. Um, Can you tell us a little bit, just, I mean, not digging in deeply to the details, it's your story to tell, but just so people understand, like, what would be traumatic events that would contribute to Severe anxiety. Absolutely. A a few of them, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, my parents were um, addicted to drugs. So there was a lot of neglect early in childhood. Um, So I kind of had like a rough start there. My mom eventually overdosed when I was five years old. Um, You know, ended up living with my grandma because my dad had been in and out of jail. Um, And then the kind of the straw that um, what's the saying, the straw that broke the camel's back ended up being my house uh, caught on fire when I was 12 years old. Um, And it sent me into like this complete like nervous breakdown of sorts. So I struggled with immense daily anxiety, daily panic attacks, depression, suicidality. Just I was a hot mess for a long time. I imagine waiting for the other shoe to drop became a lifestyle and an identity because it had for you so many times. Yeah. Wow. That's not nothing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's my passion. I got to let people know. Um, So, you know, I was raised in a very small town in Michigan, not a whole lot of resources there in regards to therapy. Um, but I saw numerous psychiatric providers, um, who basically prescribed me, you know, medication after medication and unfortunately fell into like the snowball effect of polypharmacy. So like they would prescribe one medication, which would create a symptom or a side effect to which another medication would be added on. And I think at my worst, I would think I was like 12, 13 years old and on 14 heavy duty psychiatric oh medication. Gosh, they just, just trying to numb you out. Oh my gosh. It made me feel so much worse than even without the meds to begin with. Um, in hindsight, I most definitely was overdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, and very much overmedicated. So, so ergo your passion for naturopathic medicine and trying to dig at a more holistic approach to healing. Yes. Yes. That was, that became like how I realized that conventional medical system doesn't necessarily help one to truly heal necessarily. Um, it definitely has its place, not arguing with that by any means, but 
it definitely, I've always wanted to be a doctor ever since I was little. And that definitely steered the course to looking for other options and other avenues. Makes sense. So, so, so tell us about how you conceptualize your cases, given your history, yeah. you know, what, when you see a, cl- a patient, what, how do you organize and conceptualize their treatment? Yeah. So when I see a patient for the first time, our first um, appointment is two hours long. We go through literally everything and anything that they're experiencing. So any and every mental, emotional symptom, as well as any physical symptoms that they're experiencing. Um, We are really taught to address the body as a whole. So one of our philosophies in naturopathic medicine is totally totem. So treat the body as a whole instead of, you know, just focusing on this one issue or this other other issue. We're looking at the whole picture, so to speak, to really get a whole case of what's actually going on. Um, And based on my own experiences from seeing other psychiatric providers, it was almost like I felt like I was just a number, so to speak. They didn't really, I felt like I wasn't really heard or listened to because, and honestly, like there's only so much that can be done in 10, 15 minutes with a patient. You know, you really can't get a whole history of what's actually happening there. That makes sense. Um, So that really steered the course where I was just looking for other avenues to explore and ended up discovering the field of naturopathic medicine, saw a naturopathic doctor myself who also had specialized in a modality of medicine called homeopathy, Mm -hmm. homeopathic medicine. And he had prescribed the right remedy for me for at the time was silica. And I kid you not, it was like I could feel the sunshine on my face for the first time again. Wow. Completely changed my life. That's so um, uh, empowering and rewarding and yes. talk about emotion accelerating something that we're learning. Yes. It taught you this is the real deal for, for you. It was like, this awesome. is the answer. This is what I've been looking for my entire life. So, and, so related to our stories yeah. and our adaptations, which this show is about adapt, it's adaptable for a yeah. reason. We are adaptable. We take what we learn. We apply those things, sometimes healthy, sometimes not so healthy yeah. and kind of bringing it back to the concept of people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you see people pleasing and what kind of patients do you see with that presenting issue? Um, so the majority of patients that I see that have these people pleasing tendencies tend to be women. And, um, you know, statistically, 78% of those who have autoimmune illnesses or chronic illnesses happen to be be women. So um, I really think it's a huge factor in terms of, you know, an obstacle to cure is what we would call it in terms of health. So people pleasing, identifying that, working on that is so essential in order to help the body heal. So when you say that in people pleasing in a direct correlation to, to illness and an exacerbation of autoimmune illness, which I see anecdotally as a therapist, a trauma specialist as well. Yeah. You know, I see the correlation between high ACEs scores and autoimmune issues yes. and the exacerbation of autoimmune symptomology yeah. with direct correlation to stress in life. And mm-hmm. so when we have a, a period where things are settling down, all of a sudden my limes is kind of calm and I'm not in a flare up, yes, but yes. then I have this thing happen. Yeah. And when this thing happens, like, uh, you know, uh, my husband loses his job or my child brings home a bad grade or somebody has a fight at school, all of a sudden I handle that. I address that. And then, Oh, lo and behold, I'm in bed for three days mm-hmm. with my flare up. Yes. And so my body is telling me what, yeah. how would you see that? Yeah. So 
honestly, like when we are in the state of people pleasing, we're basically sacrificing our own needs to take care of the needs of others. And I truly believe that um, the body speaks to us. So if we're not honoring the emotions or not listening to our body, it's going to present itself in whatever way it is, whether it be like a flare-up of fibromyalgia, flare-up of Lyme, or let's say you get sick. It's literally my perspective, my philosophy. It's the body telling us, slow down. You need to listen to us. So when we're constantly working on satisfying the needs of all those around us, we're sacrificing our own needs. We're at the back of the line. Exactly, exactly. So then, you know, especially in people pleasing, it also keeps us in this state of like fight or flight, so to speak. So when we're in fight or flight, it's really healthy to stay in that state for short periods of time. It can be really helpful, like if a lion is chasing us or something like that. It's great. But when we are in that fight or flight modality or um, system and it's going on for long periods of time, it just wrecks havoc on our nervous system. And then everything else and then everything else follows suit. So if your nervous system goes out of whack, the immune system goes out of whack, our hormones go out of whack, our thyroid. And so it's like our body just goes in haywire because of that. So from a counseling perspective, why do you think people people please? From a survival strategy, I think it's a way to create illusion of control in an otherwise powerless environment. So if I have a lot of chaos in my world and I'm a little kid Mm -hmm. and I try to start sizing up what's happening around me and I can make things better, I can make sure, you know, my shoes are put away and I can make sure my homework's done and I can make sure that mommy's okay and I can make Mm -hmm. sure that I'm really quiet when daddy comes home because he gets angry if I'm not. And I do all of these things in an attempt to control my environment. I say attempt on purpose Mm -hmm. because we really don't have any control over our environment. It becomes a habituated pattern of response to inorganically try to control our environment and Mm -hmm. pleasing becomes a habit. And so what population do you see this with the most? Um, Definitely women. Why do you think that is? I think society places a lot of pressure on women, especially to be caretakers, caretaking everybody else, whether it be family, you know, whether it be your parents or your children, your husband, your partner. Um, You know, I think they have a lot of pressure on us to take care of everybody else but ourselves. And so a lot of times we end up succumbing to that pressure and um, kind of putting ourselves on the back burner, so to speak. So when it comes to these adaptable responses of people pleasing, how do you how do you see it happening for others? Maybe even how did how do you how do you understand that it started for you? Um, So in my personal case in particular, so my parents were addicts Um, a lot of time. I grew up, I think, from like from a very young age, from like two to six years old or so. Um, And my parents would often, you know, go in the bedroom and do drugs. And so I was left alone for long periods of time. And although now I understand they were trying to protect me from seeing them in that state, Mm -hmm. it created this belief that I wasn't wanted or that I wasn't good enough, so to speak. So I carried that belief with me. And I always tell people, it's like we create these beliefs at a young age and it becomes the lens through which we see the world. So in my case, I had this belief that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't wanted. As soon as people would see me, they would leave me this fear of abandonment. Right. And I would see that in my career, 
in my relationships, literally my whole, it was a lens through which I viewed the world. Really so, compromised your sense of trust yes. that it was safe to be vulnerable in the world. A hundred percent. And so it creates this uh, need to be just right all the time. Yes. Yes. Oh, and perfectionism is Perfection. a massive, massive oh, yeah. shame shield and it is so exhausting and it's yes. like 20 tons of armor to carry around a perfectionism shame shield. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. So tell us about how yeah. homeopathy helped you to put that down. Um, and how, so, did, how does that work? Yeah. So I always tell people, like, I feel like the first um, homeopathy really helped to spark that first layer of my healing journey. So when I was placed on the right remedy for me, it was like, I think I said before, it was like I could feel the sunshine on my face for the first time again. I don't think I truly understood how nervous I always was or how anxious I always was until I wasn't anymore because that had been my my like sense of normal for my entire life. And um, it really helped me to become a more empowered version of myself. When I was placed on the right remedy for me, it was like I was able to, um, I guess, cultivate a more sense of safety. And so I was able to establish boundaries with others. I personally, I had a series of toxic, abusive relationships mm. that I would, you know, perpetuate like the same person, just in a different body. Reen so reenacting that unresolved childhood yes. trauma. Yes. Somebody that was familiar to you, like one or both of your parents. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Along with like the fear of abandonment. Cause like, I'll do anything to keep them around. Mm -hmm. Like, please don't leave. That was kind of like my inner child trying to cultivate subconsciously a sense of safety. Although I didn't consciously know it of at course. the time. Of so when I was placed on the right remedy for me over time, I started establishing more boundaries for myself um, and truly believe it's how I was able to let go of the toxic, abusive relationship that I was in. Um, and that so was, freeing. oh, it was the most empowering. I, I can't even express it into words how empowering that moment was to consciously leave that relationship because of that fear of abandonment was still present. But then to leave that relationship and to be like, Oh, I'm okay now. Oh my gosh, I'm free. like I felt so free and so empowered. So for for a toxic relationship, it probably is a lot more obvious mm -hmm. as far as like the negative consequence consequences that it had for you and being in one of those relationships. But for those of us with maybe more for those of us with less obvious damaging yeah. habits, but while still people pleasing to an over-functioning extreme, what are some of the warnings or consequences we might want to share with our uh, listeners about what happens in our systems when we start to learn how to set boundaries and to say no when we mean no and only yes when we mean it. Right. And we stop making other people's needs more important than our own. What does that, what can that look like in, in our relationships? Um, so in terms of like setting boundaries, and I feel like there's often this misconception of, you know, it's important to set boundaries maybe with, um, maybe like in friendships or maybe like your employer, so to speak, but like boundaries are super healthy in any and every relationship that you have. Um, and that wasn't something that I found out until later on where I finally was able to cultivate a sense of safety, utilizing homeopathy um, where I could say, no, I, I don't have the emotional capacity for that. 
And really that helped to honor my own body's needs. And prioritize and pri- what's going to be okay for you and not okay for you as opposed to yes. just with that survival strategy. Yes. yes. So I totally am a made, major believer in homeopathy as well. And uh, in conjunction with EMDR therapy, yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's money. It's, it's game so changer, awesome. Yeah. And I personally struggled with Hashimoto's from just a lot of, uh, you know, chronic stress in my life and my yeah. relationships and things like that. And uh, an allergist actually discovered it. I didn't really know oh, wow. uh, what was going on. And he said, did you know? And I said, I did not know. And so, uh, and that's medically not technically able to be cured. Yet when I had a homeopathy doctor, my naturopathic mm-hmm. doctor in conjunction with my EMDR therapy, I don't actually, the blood work doesn't show that I have Hashimoto's anymore. My thyroid is still shot and I have to take a supplement to help because there was too much damage. But it's not the autoimmune. Right. And so it's so amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about how you understand homeopathy to work with EMDR therapy? Yeah. Homeopathy is amazing with EMDR therapy. I utilize it myself. So, um, I always tell people it was like discovering homeopathy took me to one layer of my healing journey. And then when I discovered EMDR therapy, it took it to a whole nother level. And so even to this day, I utilize both. It can be so transformative and really helps to ease, I want to say like ease the process of EMDR therapy. Because a lot of times if we just jump into EMDR therapy, it can be kind of traumatic at times. You're, you're literally like going through old trauma stuff that maybe you've spent years and years ignoring, repressing, repressing, (laughs) not looking at. Right. And that in itself can be incredibly um, uncomfortable. And so when somebody's established on the right homeopathic remedy for them, it helps to equilibrate their nervous system. So they're able to maintain that sense of safety, even though they might be bringing up old stuff that they're not used to looking at, or that might be more debilitating, so to speak. So tell me if I'm, if I'm understanding this right, because I refer a lot of clients to, uh, to a naturopathic doctor and to you for, for homeopathy specifically when I am seeing a little bit of stuckness. Mm -hmm. So what it seems like when I am on a remedy and when I'm working on something, it, and, and I, I'm, you're going to say it much better, but what it yeah, seems yeah. like to me for the lay person who's listening yeah. is it's almost like internally creating a bit of an irritant mm-hmm. or something. And that irritant draws attention to the area yeah. where something needed like a release. Yes, exactly. And I don't know, I don't really get it, but the way I describe it to clients is, you know, when we have a planter's wart or a wart, mm-hmm. we're not actually burning it off. We're just drawing attention to that area mm-hmm. so that our body knows how to come and fight. Like there's, a, there's something going on here and the cells, yeah. you know, our white blood cells come to fight the, the, the wart or whatever. So we're not burning it off. We're right. drawing attention to there's something going on here. Yes. Is that how homeopathy is working and why that's what it's like for me when I'm on a remedy? I'm like, something's like, it's like loosening something up. Yeah. And then I go and I have all this affective access when I see my yes. therapist for EMDR yes. and I'm like, okay, fine. It's fine. It's there now. I know what it is. I get it. Yes. And, and so I don't, can you tell, can you talk about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So scientifically, we don't know exactly how homeopathy works. However, we do know that it works on, I always tell people it works more on an energetic level, so to speak. So there are especially certain remedies, um, 
that can be really helpful for repressed emotions. So let's say somebody has a lot of like repressed grief that they don't even feel or they're not even consciously aware that it's there. They're more numbed out. They're more numbed out, mm-hmm. which is a coping mechanism, sure. of course, because it's so painful. And not conscious or intentional. Right, right. So um, if that's the case for that patient, there are certain remedies that can help to, I always tell people, it helps to bring it up to the surface. And although it might be uncomfortable, so to speak, um, at the time because you're feeling it, it is the only way to heal is when you bring it up and out. It helps to push things up and out. And when people are tend to be stuck in certain, um, whatever they're processing through EMDR, like let's say they're processing, they're, they're stuck through um, a moment of grief or anger or something like that or resentment or betrayal, whatever it is that they're actually processing and things aren't just moving like it should, there are actually certain homeopathic remedies that you can bring on board that will help to loosen that up and bring it up. And the transition that peop- that I, I've witnessed myself, that I've heard from other therapists, oh, I see it, I it see like it. brings it right up and just makes it so much smoother for that energy to be up and released, if that makes sense. So although as an adaptation, our our bodies do a great job defending its emotional overwhelm, mm-hmm. one of the ways is through repression. It's like if I want to be done with these symptoms once and for all, I have to allow for them to exit. Yeah. So we we don't we've got to feel it to heal it. Yep. We've got to have access to that, you know, unresolved stuff that yes. sometimes never got to be felt. Like I think about you mom and dad are in the room doing drugs and you're just alone Yeah, and you're scared Yeah, and you don't even realize that you're lonely or that you're scared or that you're confused. You're just kind of frozen in shock because you're so little. Mm -hmm. And so when we go back to review those memories through EMDR reprocessing, it's like you get to go on a rescue mission as the adult hero and be there with and for that little girl where you didn't get to feel those things in the first place. And now we've offered a safe place and time for that to happen. And so I really respect and appreciate the art of that homeopathy uh, delivery and, you know, how much listening is required for you to really fine tune the nuances of what you're going to ask the the patient to take. Yeah. And so I love the conjunction of those two approaches for sure together. It it just works beautifully. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I kind of want to put out there too, um, you know, homeopathy is, it's very, it's a very gentle modality of medicine. So if somebody isn't necessarily ready, let's say they have a lot of um, repressed memories because the the trauma they went through was so intense. When somebody's on the right remedy, it works synergistically with the body and the mind. It's not going to force you to remember all of the trauma that occurred if you're not ready for it. It is a very gentle modality of medicine that works alongside your body and what it knows you're capable of. Um, so it's not something that's going to necessarily aggravate and re-traumatize you by, you know, all of a sudden remembering all the traumatic instances, but it's going to really meet you where you're at on your journey and just to help facilitate and just make that journey a lot easier and smoother to process. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So before we close, is there any last things you want to make sure we leave with the audience related to uh, this approach and, um, that way we just, we, we try not to leave anything on the table here. Yeah. Yeah. So I always, you know, I tell people first and foremost, self-awareness is so important. So if you find yourself that you are, you are a people pleaser, you know, get curious about it, pay attention to it. 
um, you know, really dive in. Like, is, am I jumping to the rescue? Like, is this actually necessary? So to speak. Um, I always tell people to listen to your body. Um, meditation is beautiful, but if you find that you're averse to meditation, I also tell people, you know, sit with yourself just for a couple minutes and just pretend your body's almost like a separate entity in itself and ask your body, what does it need right now? What do you need? And a lot of times it'll just come, it might be weird and uncomfortable (laughs) at first, but pay attention to what comes up because, and try your best to honor that. Listen to the dashboard. It's got the data. Exactly. Your body knows best. Your body knows best. And if you are struggling with illness or something of that nature, pay attention to it. Like your body is literally speaking to you because you're not listening to the emotions. What was that quote you told me the other day when we were talking? (laughs) I thought that is one that needs to be a a post or a real or a focused thing. I loved what you said about that. And I think it's a great closing statement. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, especially in the naturopathic community community, um, we talk about how there's a quote by Robert Bly, um, the body weeps what the tears cannot express. So when we do not honor and pay attention to the emotions inside, our body is going to scream it until we do, so to speak. The so body keeps the score. The body keeps the score. Absolutely. Always, and it always. always tells us, even when we don't want to listen. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately. Right. For better or for, <laughs> for worse. For better or for worse. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I just can't, um, I appreciate everything that you've imparted on us so, so greatly. It's uh, such important information. And again, people just don't know what they don't know and how things work. And we want to make sure our listeners have a full menu of choices when it comes to their healing. And so I really appreciate you giving us this time today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. um, And so as a little bit of a recap, the body keeps the score. It will tell us what we're not listening to. And our topic of people pleasing is just an adaptation that we learned in order to exercise some illusion of control in an otherwise powerless environment. And ultimately it puts us at the back of the line related to our needs. And when we don't listen to what we need, it causes illness and And our illness is then the beacon uh, that tells us what we need to be paying attention to. So uh, hopefully you find this information helpful. And if you'd like to learn more, please uh, look at the links in our comments below. And if you have any stories you want to share about your healing journey, we'd love to hear from you. So thank you for listening. And don't forget to lead with love. It'll never steer you wrong. 